I'm Gregory Berg. The following morning show interview was recorded and initially broadcast back in 2003. Enjoy. We are talking on the morning show today about U.S. presidents and golf. And uh, it's not often that those things get discussed in any kind of serious way, but that's exactly what happens in a very interesting book called First Off the Tee, Presidential Hackers, Duffers, and Cheaters from Taft to Bush, written by Don Vanatta, Jr., and it's published by Public Affairs. And uh, Don Vanatta, we welcome you to the morning show. Thanks, Greg. Great to be with you. You have uh, covered politics for some years uh, for the New York Times, and uh, so you have followed U.S. presidents. And... uh, uh, at some point, you became intrigued by the intersection between the presidents and golf. Tell us uh, sort of the uh, initial idea for, for studying this in some detail. The idea came in the summer of 1999, and it really arrived by accident. I wrote a story about Bill Clinton and his habit of bending the rules on the golf course for the New York Times. And I heard after the story was published that Bill Clinton hated the story. His friend Terry McAuliffe called me on the phone and said the story made him furious that he would never forgive me for what I wrote. And I told Terry, now, wait a minute, I've written about Bill Clinton and his uh, relationship with Monica Lewinsky. I've written about Bill Clinton and his habit of running out the Lincoln bedroom to the highest bidder. Why is this any different? And Terry said those stories bothered him, too, but this was very different. You called the president a cheater. And Terry said the president takes his golf game very seriously. And it was at that moment that I thought there might be a book in this because I began to wonder why Bill Clinton was more upset about getting caught cheating at golf than he was caught cheating on his wife. Hmm. You give us a really interesting look into history and how golf has uh, played varying roles uh, in, in, in the, the, the lives and the, the free time of, of U.S. presidents, especially in the 20th century, not so much in the past century, the 19th century. Tell us first a little bit about the, the brief encounters which a handful of presidents had with golf in uh, the 1800s. Well, there were only two. The first president to actually attempt to play golf was Ulysses S. Grant. This was after he was president. He was on a trip to the United Kingdom, and he attempted to play just once. He swung and missed at the ball over about a five-minute period, never put the club head on the ball, and uh, said, I have no, I have no idea why a, a club was even invented. I don't see any use for it in the game, and he never played again. William McKinley was the second American president uh, to attempt to play, and he played over two summers during his summer vacations in upstate New York. He also was terrible at the game, didn't really enjoy it, and gave it up. And so it wasn't until William Howard Taft began to play as president in 1909 uh, that an American president embraced the game. His predecessor, Theodore Roosevelt, um at least thinks about golf, but I think sort of dismisses it out of hand as a, as a, as a sport that just isn't worth the, the trouble. Yes, Theodore Roosevelt warned uh, William Howard Taft, who was his uh, protege, not to uh, play the game. He said golf is fatal to any politician who attempts to play it, and especially in Taft's case, uh, that was true because Taft weighed 350 pounds and looked pretty silly out there. Uh, yet Taft ignored Roosevelt's advice and went on playing and played quite often while he was president, and consequently he was a one-term president. Now, why do you think Theodore Roosevelt said that golf is fatal to a, to a politician or to, to a president? I think it was because he saw the photographs and he saw the pictures and the cartoons that were drawn of Taft playing golf, and Taft looked silly out there. Roosevelt was very uh, conscious of image, 
And Roosevelt's game was tennis, and he would not allow photographs to be taken while he was playing tennis. He said, the only time I allow anybody to take a picture of me during my leisure time is when I'm on horseback, which, of course, sent the right image in Roosevelt's mind. And he just felt golf was a silly game and that Taft looked silly playing it. Hmm. At the point when President Howard Taft, uh, let's see, he's like 1909 to 1912, something like that, I think, yes, for his right. term, um, is, is golf... The, uh, a game that has the kind of popularity then that it does now? Oh, no, not nearly the same kind of popularity. In fact, people in the western part of the United States uh, in the early part of the 20th century looked at golf very suspiciously. It actually was seen by some people as a woman's game, that women played golf more than men. And so it, it was not viewed as a sort of the, the virile game that maybe somebody would say it is now, and it certainly was not nearly as popular then as it is today. Now give us these uh, amazing statistics of, for the 20th century when we have had uh, 17 different presidents. Tell us the popularity of golf among those 17 men. Fourteen of the past 17 American presidents have played golf, which is remarkable. I mean, it is by far the most popular sport or game that our presidents have participated in since Taft was president. Not that they're all uh, have been good at it. No, that's <laughs> right. Very few were good at the game, uh, yet most uh, of the presidents loved it. It was a way to escape the pressures of the Oval Office, and some of those presidents uh, went out of their way to convince Americans they're actually better at the game than they really were. Hmm. One of the things that you, you pose at some point in time is is how golf... Uh, carries with it a, a certain image, and, and some people might even call it a certain stigma in terms of, of it being a, a game for the upper classes, for the elite, that sort of thing. And so it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game that, uh, if you champion, could, could potentially be uh, something of a political liability, again, in some circles, or just depending on your, your political persuasion, perhaps. That was the perception of the game almost throughout the 20th century, that golf was a rich person's game, a rich person's pursuit, that golf was sort of out of touch with the common man, the middle class. And, you know, Dwight Eisenhower went a long way toward actually solidifying in most Americans' minds the perception that golf was a Republican game, because, of course, Eisenhower played 800 rounds over eight years and really embraced the game more than any of his predecessors, and, and you can even argue maybe since, you know, since. I mean, he's really the American president that most Americans think of when they think of pre presidency in golf. And so, yes, that perception has carried on, and I believe it's only been in the last five to ten years that golf has really been seen as the people's game since Bill Clinton was president and now with George W. Bush, and there's not the same stigma that was attached to it all throughout the 20th century. You also call it the cruelest game of them all, the great equalizer. What leads you to say that? Well, golf is so difficult, uh, as anyone who has played it can tell you. It is um, a seductive game. And there are moments when you have that one perfect golf shot and you feel as if you're able to conquer it and you finally worked it all out, and then your very next swing you realize that uh, that, that perfect golf shot doesn't happen that often. What really drew me to this project is the fact that the American presidents don't invite the public to join them on the golf course. They leave the public and the press behind on the first tee, and we don't see them again until the 18th green. The golf course is one of the few places where presidents are able to be out in public, yet in private in a way, away from the public's eyes. 
And so as an investigative reporter, it really appealed to me to try to find out how they behave out on that golf course when the public isn't always watching. And they really do reveal themselves on the golf course. And golf, as being the cruel game that it is, really has humbled these very powerful men. And the way they deal with that humbling is quite instructive and, and interesting. You say almost everything is revealed on a golf course, a player's shortcomings and strengths, most of all, but other subtleties of personality and foibles of character that you may never see across a desk or a conference room table or in the dim light of the situation room. That's right. I mean, the way the presidents deal with all that can go wrong on a golf course really tells us a lot uh, about their temperaments and about their personalities. And uh, some dealt with it, you know, glided along from problem to problem on the golf course and really didn't get their feathers ruffled too much. But more of them than not uh, were quite frustrated with the game, uh, really blew up. Dwight Eisenhower in particular had a very bad temper. Bill Clinton had a bad temper. So did Richard Nixon. And so we really learned a lot about their personalities and how they deal with problems by how they conduct themselves on the golf course. Uh, very quickly through the various chapters, chapter one is the purists. And I think these are probably the four best golfers in some ways or the, or the four who really pursued the game uh, most seriously, shall we say. Yeah, that's right. The, the purists are John F. Kennedy, Dwight Eisenhower, Gerald Ford, and Franklin Roosevelt. These are the four that uh, respected the rules the most, loved the game, and were among the best of the presidential golfers. And uh, it's extraordinary to read about FDR. He, of course, played golf before being stricken by, uh, by polio in the early 20s, and you even have an early photograph of a young FDR playing golf. Uh, in part two, worst off the tee, we're treated to four different presidents who were fairly hapless on the golf course. That's right. That's William Howard Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Calvin Coolidge, and Ronald Reagan. Uh, three of those four are the earliest golfing presidents, uh, probably not a coincidence uh, in that respect. A lot of people are surprised that Ronald Reagan qualified as one of the worst golfers because we remember Reagan being a pretty good athlete and him chopping wood and riding horses. Reagan was actually a pretty good golfer as a young man, but by the time he had become president, he hadn't played that often. He only played once a year while he was president. And by that time, his game had really gone in the tank, and he had trouble breaking 100. You have a chapter also called Hail to the Cheats, and you talk about the four presidents who uh, were the most creative with their golf scores. Yes, that's Bill Clinton, Richard Nixon, Lyndon Johnson, and Warren Harding, uh, a foursome that may not surprise your listeners uh, to hear that these are the guys that uh, played fast and loose with the rules. Uh, Clinton, in particular, uh, always wanted to be seen, I think, as good as his political hero, John F. Kennedy, on the golf course. Kennedy was the best presidential golfer and averaged about an 80 uh, for 18 holes. Uh, Clinton claimed that he was about that good, too, but it took some do-over shots for him to score in that range. Warren Harding, of the four, interestingly enough, actually didn't cheat on the golf course, but what he did is he drank on the golf course during Prohibition. So he broke the law of the land on the golf course, and I figured if the president is going to break the law while he plays, he can qualify for my hail to the chief for <laughs> <laughs> And finally, a chapter devoted to the two Bushes, father and son. But I wanted to ask you to uh, just talk for a moment about the story that you tell in the prologue of an extraordinary presidential golfing day when three U.S. presidents are on a golf course together. Yes, that was the Bob Hope Chrysler Classic in February of 1995. It was played at Indian Wells Country Club in California. It was the only time in history that three American presidents have played a round of golf together, and it was an official PGA event. Uh, Bill Clinton, the sitting president, George Bush Sr., and Gerald Ford 
were part of an extraordinary foursome. Actually, technically, it was five golfers. Bob Hope was the fourth, and Scott Hoke, the professional golfer who was the previous year's winner, played around, and it was an ugly afternoon of golf. <laughs> uh, Gerald Ford hit two spectators with golf balls. George Bush hit two spectators with golf balls. One of the spectators was a 71-year-old woman named Norma Early, who had to be sent to a hospital to get 10 stitches. She had a gash above her eye that uh, Bush's ball put there on the first hole. Bill Clinton knocked a watermelon slice out of a little boy's hand. It was really just an ugly round. At the end of the day, Bush had the best score. Uh, Ford had the worst score. Uh, but it's not surprising that it's not happened again since that we've had three <laughs> American presidents play in a PGA tournament together. You called it six and a half tortured hours. It and really was. It was, uh, it was. it was an ugly afternoon of golf. Uh, the presidents certainly had a great time, and, uh, and so did Bob Hope, but uh, there was some real ugly golf played that day. You end the book with a war- word of warning to those who want to be president. You give us a list of presidential losers who don't touch the game. Yes, interestingly enough, uh, all of the, in the past century, and I, and I say that this is sort of absurd political analysis, but it's fun to look at, uh, Jimmy Carter is the only non-golfer in the past century to beat a golfer on Election Day. He beat Gerald Ford, of course. Uh, and every other election, any time a golfer goes up against a non-golfer, the non-golfer loses. And I make the point that the non-golfing, non-golfers uh, candidates of the past 20 years are a loser's role. And I mention there Al Gore, Walter Mondale, Michael Dukakis. These guys are all non-golfers who lost to golfing presidential candidates. The book is First Off the Tee, Presidential Hackers, Duffers, and Cheaters from Taft to Bush by Don Van Natta, Jr., published by Public Affairs. This is a great book, and I don't even like golf, but I really enjoyed reading (laughs) this book and enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much, Greg. I enjoyed it, too.